Well, hey everyone. Uh, if we haven't gotten a chance to meet, maybe a friend shared this video with your family member. My name's Wes. I'm a pastor of a church here in Tallahassee called Crossbridge Christian Church. And I want to welcome you, uh, I guess in a weird way, into my home. And I want to share some thoughts with you about the Christmas season. As you can see, uh, we have this beautiful tree behind me. We have one of our little bear family members, Buddy, back there. Uh, he's got his booster, as you can see, so you should get boosted. I just got boosted this week. Anyway, uh, so he'll be peeking in. Our other little furry friend, Huggy, you might see him another point in this video. So you got to keep your eyes peeled. Kids, if you're watching this, make sure you point out at your parents so you see Huggy, your buddy, on the screen. Uh, anyway, I'm here to share with you some thoughts about the Christmas season, about what Christmas means, and I hope to give you some practical thoughts on the hope that I think uh, God wants to offer us in this season. And I want to start by showing you a picture that will flash on the screen here. Um, this is a picture that a friend of mine named Debbie posted on her Facebook page earlier this week. Debbie was one of my friends when we lived in Chicago. I mean, she's still a friend today. We we're just, you know, a thousand miles apart. But Debbie and uh, her four adult children and her husband make a big deal every year after Thanksgiving. They always go to this Christmas tree farm in Michigan and they post a bunch of pictures of them picking out their Christmas tree for the year. And it's always looks really fun. Um, and now her daughter, Caitlin, and her husband, Demetrius, have these two really adorable kids. And so it's even the cuteness factor is times a million now. And they pick out their tree, and it's just a bunch of fun, and they bring it home. And Debbie posted this picture on her Facebook feed this week. As you can see, the tree was not very successful. She must have gotten one of those reject trees that, until supply chain issues hit, wasn't really that big of a deal, right? And so Debbie and her family, thankfully, I think they got a replacement tree. But the situation was redeemed immediately by one of my other friends, John, who posted this gold on Debbie's Facebook page, which I will now flash on the screen. Come on, like, I, I laughed out loud when I saw that. Yes, she apparently did get that Christmas tree in Ikea. And it made me think about this message, and it made me think about the past year, and it feels like for a lot of us, we're kind of thinking, hey, did we get the last year from Ikea? Like, it feels like this thing was kind of breaking down before it even started. We got a full six days into the new year, and all of a sudden the U.S. Capitol is being overrun by insurrectionists for the first time since the World War of 1812, I think, okay? One really great start to the year. Uh, I don't know about you, but at the beginning of the year, Delta, for me, described an airline. And Omicron was this letter of the Greek alphabet that I learned when I was in seminary like 15 years ago. Okay, But now, of course, those are words that have entirely different meanings. Yes, we did have the Bernie Sanders thing to kind of offset it and help us laugh a little bit. But on the whole... For a lot of us, I know that 2021 has been a really difficult year. Maybe not quite as bad as 2020. Maybe some of you would say, actually, yeah, Wes, it was pretty bad or even worse than 2020. But point being, I know for a lot of us, <laughs> looking at that picture of my friend Debbie's Christmas tree feels sort of emblematic for how this year has turned out or how it's felt at different points for us. Um, interestingly enough, though, I think that plays us right into the Christmas season and the Christmas story well. Because when the nation of Israel, when the original participants in the Christian Christmas story experienced the first Christmas, 
things were not going really great for them either. And it wasn't just a bad couple of years. It had actually been a bad couple of centuries. Uh, really, ever since the fall of Israel in the 8th century BC to the nation of Assyria, things have been going steadily downhill. Soon after, Jerusalem and the nation of Judah fell. And for honestly, about 500 years, the nation lived in exile or under the rule of enemy opposing foreign nations. Uh, save for a couple brief years, which Jews today celebrate with Hanukkah, the nation had pretty much lived under the thumb of their enemies, and it didn't show any signs of that stopping anytime soon for them. We can't imagine that as a nation today, like what it would feel like to be under enemy rule and know uh, living through the presidency of Donald Trump or Joe Biden, whatever your politics might be, don't count, okay? Like that's, that is nothing compared to what the nation of Israel was living through. And it's just kind of hard, I think, for us to appreciate just the, the level of despondency and despair and frustration and angst that these people felt when we walk into the story of the first Christmas. To make matters worse, it had been a really long time since they had heard from God as well. Uh, in fact, the last book of the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, uh, we're pretty sure is the book of Malachi. And Malachi, we're not entirely sure when it was written, but Malachi was a prophet, and we think he wrote his book of the Bible uh, somewhere between 500 and 400 B.C. So let's just call it 450, you know, split the difference. And what that means is for 450 years, the nation of Israel, God's people on earth, had walked in darkness. They didn't hear from God. They didn't have some you know, bright, wonderful prophet come in a picture. They didn't have any real clear plan or next steps. Like, where, where, God, where are you taking this story? Is there an end to this? Is there really any hope at the end of the tunnel? Things for them felt extraordinarily and extremely dark. Sad, depressing, angering, frustrating, sorrowful. Like, all, all these are words that would describe the condition of the people who were participating and the first Christmas story, especially as it pertained to their relationship with God. Earlier this week on Monday morning, I was sitting in my office, and I was staring out the window and thinking about something, and while I was looking out the window, a song popped into my mind. Um, a few years ago, my friend and fellow Crossbridger, Rachel Cook, had made this point uh, in our small group that anytime she kind of had a song pop into her head out of nowhere, she often discovered that to be sort of a sign from God to lean into the message of what that song was saying. And ever since she said that, I've always thought about that and found that to be true for myself. And on this particular day, a song popped into my head that, it, no joke guys, is 15 years old and I hadn't heard or even thought about easily for 10 years. In fact, I couldn't really remember a whole lot of it, so I went into our Wishberry at the building and fired up our sound system and played it on Spotify and just took five minutes to sort of listen to the lyrics and allow that to wash over me and sort of think about, God, what might you be trying to say to me through this song? The song is called Shine Your Light, and it's by the Robbie C. Band, and I'm actually going to put that video in right now, and I want to ask you to listen to it. Just a fair warning, uh, the song's really old, so it was hard to find any current recordings of it. They didn't have super bad quality, so the one really good recording I did find of it is a little bit cheesy. You know, like, you're going to notice the bass player is playing next to a log cabin for some reason. For some of you, I just made you really want to lean in now. So I'm just saying, give me some grace as you listen to the lyrics of the song, but really focus 
focus on what this song is saying because I want to bounce off of that as we come back after this song is over. I'm struck by the fact that that song has no posturing, 
No, no marketing with God. No, hey God, if I do this, will you do that? Hey God, I'll bring this to you. Can you bring that to me? You know, it's just, it's a simple, humble, you might even say desperate prayer to say, God, I need you to shine your light on me. And God, without your light, I got nothing. Now on that day when I listened to that song, I was feeling a little lost and tired myself and I needed that reminder of God saying, Wes, I'm not asking you to do anything. All I'm asking for you is to cry out to me and to see me reaching back to you. Later that morning, I went to the McDonald's I frequently work from, and I was going to write this message there. And I honestly didn't really know what I was going to write about, so I opened up my Bible to the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, where we have the two you know, versions, two accounts of the Christmas story and Jesus' birth. And I figured I would just read through them and see what stood out. And as I read through those two passages in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2, I, I was really struck by the fact that one little portion was the part that so clearly stood out to me. It, it comes when the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says, Mary, got some great news for you, honey. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. <laughs> and Mary says, like any of us would say, okay help me out here, Gabriel. How's that going to work? You know, like, what are you, what are you talking about here, man? And here's his response. Here's the angel's response to Mary. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. So, Mary, you aren't going to do anything. God is going to do it all. And in fact, just to kind of prove to you that God is going to be true to his word, why don't you look over your, you know, your little relative over there, Elizabeth, uh, that super old lady who's now six months pregnant, you know, just in case you're wondering if God is going to be true to his word. Now, We've talked a lot about grace at our church in the past month, and I love the definition that the angel offers us here in this passage. He says, grace is God's power overshadowing our own. Grace is our getting to the end of our rope, and instead of hanging on to my rope, embracing and holding on to God's, discovering it is a power that is way beyond our own. Uh, I was reading a book a couple of years ago by a pastor who is very familiar with and works a lot with the 12-step movement. And in this particular part of the book, he was talking about um, how the experience of rock bottom works. Um, you're probably familiar, but right, rock bottom is the place in an addict's life when they finally hit the point where life is just so terrible, the pain is so great, things are so unmanageable and falling apart at the seams that finally they look up and they go, I need help. And they actually mean it. And the writer of this book was talking about his experience, talking to people who go through AA, NA, CA, you know, like whatever it is. And his experience is exactly the same as mine in talking to people in my life who I love and care about who've went through 12-step over the years. They said, when a person hits rock bottom, it's the most painful experience in the world. But every single person on the other side of addiction looks back at the rock bottom moment and goes, thank you, God, for your 
grace. Because the first step, if you're familiar with 12-step programs, the very first step of every 12-step program is exactly the same. It's a statement. We were powerless on our own to overcome our addiction, and our lives have become unmanageable. There's no way you can make that statement with any level of sincerity unless you've hit rock bottom. You are convinced, I'm messed up. And I need help beyond myself if I'm ever going to find my way out of this. Now, I've never been to an AA meeting, but I am a recovering sin addict. And I can assure you, and I know many of you watching this have experienced this as well. The very first step in me walking away from sin and into the life of God, the very first step of me walking away from, from just the death that my way of living brings and into the life of God is for me to say, God, I'm powerless against my sin. I'm powerless to live my life. Things are unmanageable. (laughs) And we sincerely open ourselves up to the next steps in the recovery process. In fact, actually the very next couple of steps in AA and all these kind of other things are to admit that we need help of a power beyond our own. Oftentimes I've discovered the hard times in my life and the challenges in my life um, are a way of me hitting rock bottom so that I let go of the rope and I grab God's. So that I, to use the words of Angel Gabriel, um, I, I experience the power of the Most High in my life, overshadowing my own. I know as I, uh, if, as I record this, a lot of us are going through it right now. <laughs> and when I think about people across our church, I know there's all kinds of issues from marriage problems to family problems to just personal problems to mental health issues to all kinds of different stuff that people here are struggling through. If I can go back to the picture of my friend Debbie's tree from earlier, that's kind of how your life feels like right now. Just all the needles are all over the floor. But I want to encourage you to say, that in these moments in our lives, when we feel like we're hitting rock bottom, when we feel like we are against it, the God with us, Emmanuel God, revealed to us in the Christmas story, that God says to us three simple yet powerful words when we look toward him and say, God, shine your light on us. And here's the three words God says. He says, watch me work. Watch me work. Watch me do my thing. Now, Watch me work, often I've discovered in my life, does not mean God's going to answer all of my prayers and things the way that I expect him to on the time frame I want him to. But what is true is God hears the prayers of his children. And when you and I cry out, you do not cry out to a God who is aloof. You do not cry out to a God who does not hear. You cry out to a God who hears, and in the right time and in the right way, he will answer. He will announce, watch me work. As we go through the challenging times of our lives, as we think about the Christmas story, we see this beautiful picture of grace. We see a woman, actually a teenage girl named Mary, who embody these two things we've talked about with grace. The two things grace needs to thrive are two attitudes. God, I need it, and God, I don't deserve it. And when those two attitudes are present, God swoops right in and says, hey, watch my grace get to work. 
Watch me do what only I can do. Watch me do, as the Apostle Paul would write a couple decades after the birth of Jesus, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You might be hitting a rock bottom right now. You might be going through it right now. And, and if you are, man, my heart goes out to you. I know what that feels like. But here is the promise of God to you. What you, what I, what we walk through, for those of us who are called according to his purpose, we'll be able to look back and go, now I see. Now I see. We'll see God's answering saying, watch me work. The baby in the manger is God's promise of watch me work. Let me pray for us. Father God, we come to you and we need your grace. We need your mercy to shine down upon us. We need your mercy to help us and greet us right here where we are. Lord, please meet us here. This Christmas season, as we watch, walk through difficult circumstances and tough times, as we cry out, Lord, shine your light on us. God, help us to hear your response of, watch me work. But more than just hearing your response, God, we pray to see your work. Give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the heart to know what you are doing. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, well, I want to thank you for joining me here today. Uh, for those of you in the Tallahassee area, those of you who are part of our Crossbridge family, just a reminder that we will gather together on Sunday the 26th at 10.30. Uh, but instead of our typical worship gathering, uh, we're going to have kind of like a uh, Christmas post-Christmas brunch kind of deal going on. Uh, so bring some food to share, bring some Christmas leftovers if you want, I don't know. Uh, and come and hang out the building with us. I hope it's a time where we can kind of grow our family, uh, grow as a family rather, uh, together during this Christmas season. If you're watching this and you're in the Tallahassee area and haven't connected with the church, you're always welcome at ours this Sunday or any Sunday morning at 1030 at 114 East 5th Avenue. Uh, you can check out our website at crossbridgechristian.com uh, for all the service times and info and everything you need to know. Uh, if you're interested, if you kind of find yourself thinking, man, I don't know that I've ever given my life to God. I don't know that I've ever said, God, I'm letting go of my rope so I can pick up yours. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about that. If you're interested in becoming a follower of Jesus, uh, just drop us an email. Uh, drop me an email, Wes, W-E-S, at crossbridgechristian.com. Uh, or if you're on Facebook, you can just send us a message there, and we'll be in touch with you before too long. As we finish up today, uh, I just want to read a prayer from Scripture over you as a benediction, as a blessing uh, of God on you. So if you would, wherever you are, I know this might be kind of strange for some of us, if you just hold out your hands, I want to read this as a blessing over you. These are uh, God's words to us. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Amen.
Let this be true of each and every one of us and the way we experience God's mercy this Christmas season. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope to see you soon.